Nice. All right. So hello and welcome to another episode of the RSL Random Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Brant Goble, along with Tyler Thomas. I was waiting for you. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Tyler Thomas, but, but with special guest host. Yeah, we have a guest today. We are going to be talking to Gary Smith again, the the world famous voice of the Crawley Crawley Town FC, the uh, the Red Devils. I've seen online where they kind of go back and forth. We're the Red Devils. We're not the Reds, but everybody calls them the Reds. And today we're going to be talking about all things English football, the off season, new owners at Crawley, uh, the new players, and also everything regarding football over there and maybe even the world cup uh see how that's going if there's a lot of excitement there so gary how are you doing this morning or this afternoon depending on <laughs> where you are yeah i'm very well thank you guys and it's uh, lovely for you to uh have me back it's it's very nice to be back as well and, and thank you very much for for inviting me the reaction to the the previous interview that i did with you on the podcast was all very positive so it's uh, lovely to be involved all over again yeah, well, one of us really likes talking about Crawley, and the other, there's a couple others like giving me a hard time about Crawley. Seems like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> you know, it, especially when uh, the update is there's no update. You know, that's the only problem <laughs> when the news is that there's no news, right? So, no news. Well, there, it's still the. <laughs> I just it's say it's the off season. <laughs> it's still the off season. The season's still over, but there's all there's been something every week that we've talked about: new players, new owners. So I have a question though, Gary, for you. What is it like in the off season um, in a soccer mad country like England? Well, there's quite a lot of people that, that get a little bit frustrated, I think, in sort of waiting for some news to come out of the club about some new signings or the design of the new shirt or, you know, in Crawley's case, what the stadium is going to be called going forward. You know, all, you know, tiny little things like that. But there's also... Uh, a big percentage of people who, when the football season ends, get themselves involved in the cricket season, uh, which sort of starts up, um, you know, around about now, uh, last couple of months, you know, June, maybe sort of May, some even in April, some of the county games and things that we have over here start. And a lot of people get themselves involved in that. So they find themselves heavily involved in cricket in the summer and then back to football sort of when the um, the autumn and the, and the winter and everything rolls around. Um, so for some people, there's there's no real off season. Um, there's obviously, you know, at the moment over here, we've got Wimbledon going on as well. So there's a couple of weeks there where the, the tennis buffs over in the UK, uh, every tennis court is is fully booked out right across the country. You can't get anywhere near a tennis court just for that two weeks that, that Wimbledon is on because everyone fancies themselves as the next uh, Novak Djokovic or, or Cameron Norrie is the uh, the big name over here just at the moment now that he's reached the semifinals. Um, so yeah, some people do have a bit of a, a downtime and I, I don't mind it, to be honest. It, it gives me a bit more family time. Um, I quite enjoy, you know, having weekends free and not having to think, you know, I've got to get up at, at this time, stupid o'clock on a Saturday morning to drive to wherever it needs to be. But then after a few weeks, you know, and I don't mean this horribly towards my family or whatever, uh, I do start <laughs> to miss it a little bit. I, I do start to miss the thing of, you know, who have Crawley got this Saturday, who have they got next Tuesday? When can I start to get my head around some preparation? You know, when do I need to book a vehicle to take myself off to wherever I need to be going? And when does the season start again? And obviously you have to, 
you know, you also have before the season starting, which is an earlier start this season, you um, you have to build up in terms of, you know, like I said a minute ago, some signings. Uh, you have the pre-season, you have the team reporting back for training. Then you start to get the friendly fixtures. Obviously, Crawley have played once already. They're playing again on Saturday, which is a game that I'm actually attending. Um, and then the buzz starts to, you know, go around. The fixtures come out, so you, you start to see who you're playing and, and where that may be, who you've got on the first day, who you've got over Christmas, when you travel to this place, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, the, the different people, I think, have different feelings about the off-season. For some people, like I say, there is no... There's an off-season from football, but they get themselves involved in other sports. And for other people like myself, it is it is a bit of an off-season, but it's a, a shorter one this time round because, like I say, things get going again properly at the end of July. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Gary, what's the typical uh, season start time? I know with the World Cup, it's kind of thrown everything off and, and the leagues around the world kind of bow down to FIFA, you know, the, yeah. the governing body. So uh, tell, tell us a little bit about typical year and then how this year is a little bit different, if you don't mind. Well, it's for many, many years before the, the Premier League came along, the, the curtain raiser, as they called it, to the season uh, was a game that was called the Charity Shield. Uh, which is now called the Community Shield, which is contested between the, the league champions of the top division and the winners of the FA Cup. Um, so this time round, that will be uh, Liverpool as the FA Cup winners and Manchester City as the winners of the top flight division. Um, that used to be the curtain raiser and then the season would officially start for everybody else the following week. Uh, you know, but TV rights and, and money and, and everything like that now doesn't dictate that that is the case. Uh, that game will be played. It'll probably be played on a Sunday at some stupid kickoff time of like half past four, five o'clock or something. Um, and with the World Cup this year, obviously, like I say, the, the, the kickoff time for, for clubs in the Championship and League One and League Two is the end of July. And the Premier League starts the following week. Normally, there is a, a week later start for the Premier League. But I remember last season's first game was uh, August the 7th, I believe it was, away at Hartlepool. So we're just a week ahead uh, of where we were last season. But it just seems like a bit of an earlier start because a week ahead takes you in to the previous month. You're into July and everybody thinks of the football season kicking off in, in August. And July just sounds like it's a whole lot earlier when, in fact, it's only sort of seven days ahead of where it was last year. Well, seven days can be a very long time. Yeah, it can be in <laughs> politics. <laughs> in a lot of stuff. Yeah. So um, you mentioned the Crawley's having a, a game this Saturday. Is that in Spain or are they coming back from their, their training? No, from They're back from Spain. Um, I believe it was today, but I think I've been corrected in, in the fact that they come back tomorrow. Um, and they're having a friendly at the home ground on Saturday afternoon. They're, they're taking on a, a Queens Park Rangers. Uh, side. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Is that the QPR. regular QPR team or is it the... U23s well, or something? Yeah, I think it'll be a, a mix and match of everything, really. I think there'll be some some first-team players who will just want to get a bit of game time and, and just get back to that thing of being out on the pitch and, and running around for a little bit. But I think we'll see the usual sort of um, a friendly thing where there'll be a, a whole plethora of, of substitutes. Uh, Crawley's game last week at Eastbourne Borough. I know that they played a, you know one side in the first half and then changed everything at half-time. And it was a totally different Crawley side in the second half. Um, I'm not commentating on the game this coming Saturday. I am going along. Uh, and I've told my boss at the BBC that I'm quite happy to provide some 
some radio updates just so that I can sort of get back into the feel of it and be back there at the at the home ground. I almost called it by the, the previous ground name then, but just to be back at the home ground. And it's a good opportunity for me to test out my kit and make sure that everything's working. And then I get sort of back into the groove and I can start to identify, you know, some of the new Crawley players that are out there. Uh, and I think Queen's Park Rangers will play a mix, like I say, of, of under 23s, uh, first teamers, maybe a few people that they've got on trial. Crawley will probably still have a few people on trial as well. You know, it's it's difficult when you try and commentate on a friendly because players are listed on the team sheet just as trialist. There's no actual name given to that player. And if you've got three or four on the pitch at any one time, you're, you're occasionally <laughs> saying, you know, trialist passes it to trialist, who gives it back to trialist. And it, it just just makes a mockery, really, of the, of the whole possibility of, of commentating. So I'm happy to go with a few updates, you know, to say, you know, seven minutes gone and, and Dom Telford has scored three goals already and probably lead 3-0. <laughs> yeah, that's the expectation, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll be very disappointed in him if he's not done that by <laughs> half-time. <laughs> so, um, go ahead, Tyler. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, Gary, for me, I just had a, a question about um, the lower league. So, um, you know, Americans are always like, well, why, why don't, you know, young Americans go over and compete in some of these lower leagues? And, and try to work their way up through, through British football and, and through the, the Crawley system? Or why don't we have Americans playing for Crawley? Do you, do you mind explaining that to, uh, to our audience? Yeah, sorry. Say that to me again, Tyler. I lost part of that. What, what do you want me to explain? No, I apologize. Uh, it's, it's kind of like, why don't Americans play for Crawley? Right? The, the lower divisions in English football are, are kind of, stuck with uh immigration laws right immigration laws in in england or britain however you want to say that ha are such that it's very difficult for an american without a european passport or without a british passport to be able to come over there and play for a team like crawley um do you know some of the rules around that and, and can you speak to that i i think some of the the lower league football is is governed by fact that x amount of players in a squad have to be either from like a development um, side within that club or they have to be sort of uh, UK based. I think trying to encourage lower league clubs to include youngsters of an English uh, heritage um, to sort of pave the way for them, maybe sort of progressing into that side and further up the ranks and maybe sort of towards the international stage. I don't know that there's any particular laws in terms of, you know, if, if you pick Americans as an example, um, you know, coming over and getting themselves a trial with clubs like Crawley or anybody like Crawley, um, you know, even down into the National League with teams like Woking or, or Aldershot or, or clubs like that. I don't think there's anything that actually governs it. I, I think quite often uh, the the journey is made the other way, isn't it? That, that UK citizens tend to make the journey out to the States, the sort of colleges and unis out there. Uh, and then potentially get get the opportunity to get involved in some of the clubs, maybe at the lower levels of the the MLS. Um, I'm just racking my brain trying to think of of Americans that have. Um, I don't think that I, I can't think of anybody that's come over here and sort of started with a lower league club uh, and worked their way through. I know that you know that players do get signed because the American national side is a a very very decent side these days and has done very well in some recent competitions. And I think players get signed from that, but not to not to lower league clubs, they would go to sort of championship and, and premier league level. Um, John Harks, you know, was an example, I think after a world cup, 
you know, 20, 30 years ago, who, who had a spell playing for Sheffield Wednesday. We had a goalkeeper play over here for a long spell called Casey Keller um, yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. um, he had a spell, I think, was with Leicester for quite a long time, Leicester City. Yep. Um, so I think anybody, any, any uh, uh, American citizen who, who does well at any sort of major tournament is identified more by the Premier League clubs and the championships, uh, cl championship level clubs. But that doesn't mean that players couldn't come over and try and make themselves a, a go of it in the lower leagues. Um, yeah, it's just a little I, more restrictive, right? There's yeah. Only I, a few spots available in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think lower league clubs, talent spotting, if you like, doesn't venture that far afield, if you see what I mean. Yeah. And so it's kind of the, the draw in the opposite direction. And we're kind of seeing that with a, a former player of ours, uh, Kyle Beckerman, who's become the head coach at Utah Valley University. He's recruiting internationally, trying to inspire some of the the players that maybe haven't hit it yet moved up to the higher leagues to come over and get their education and right. play some, some football, you know, play some soccer with the, the university and get their education paid for. So, okay. Excellent. Yeah. He's also a, an owner, part owner of a new lower league NPSL team. Um, okay. A lower, a very low, I don't know where that is on the, the pecking on the table or on the, in the pyramid but it's uh, uh, probably right after college, but he's uh, involved with that back in his home, home area in Maryland. Uh, but RSL has a, a to that uh, situation you're speaking of a surprise starter this year, Jasper Loffelson, who was a draft pick out of college. He's from Germany, came over and played at Pitt uh, back in Pennsylvania. And they signed him to the Monarchs, the team right below Real Salt Lake, and uh, he just played himself right into the starting lineup. It's been kind of uh, impressive. So there is that opportunity. So what yeah. are the thoughts on the new owners? It's been a few months or well, a month or so uh, with Wagme and uh, the American owners of Crawley Town. Have they uh, been well received or how are the, the fans uh, reacting to the new owners, Preston and the, and the and the boys. I think they're starting to be more well-received now than they were initially. Uh, I think initially for the guys, it was a tough start for them, obviously coming in towards the back end of a, uh, of a regular season. Um, then obviously there was all the, uh, the hoo-ha surrounding the management um, and all that sort of thing. And I, I, I sort of got the feeling that uh, Crawley, limped a little bit towards the end of the season. Uh, then things, obviously, as they would, went a little bit quiet. And I think Crawley fans were getting a little bit um, impatient to see a signing um, and for the owners to maybe start putting their money where their mouth is when they said they were going to do, you know, X, Y and Z. But I think in the last couple of weeks, and I think there's been a couple of things on social media from the owners to say, you know, this is what we've done so far. This is what we've done on the pitch. This is what we've done off the pitch. There's a new kit to be released. It's going to be um, made by, by Adidas, who are obviously a huge worldwide firm, and Crawley will be the only club in League Two to be wearing Adidas sportswear. Uh, there's obviously going to be an announcement, I think, fairly imminently about who's going to be the shirt sponsors and what the ground is going to be called. There's been some other sponsorship deals that have been sealed, and I think they've done quite a lot of work. I think there's been brand-new signage outside the ground. Um, they've done quite a lot of work 
off the field as well as now um well i've made it five signings that have come on board in the last couple of weeks as well as the deal to to re-sign ashley nadison on a two-year deal and extend his contract which to me is just as good as a new signing and i think some of the names that have come in particularly dominic telford as the league two top scorer last season i think really shows the intent of what the owners and the management team uh, are really about for this coming season. I think they've really sort of put their cards on the table to say, yes, it's all very well when we came in to say we want to achieve promotion within our first couple of seasons. I think they've really sort of laid down a bit of a gauntlet now um, with some, like, you know, a couple of the signings that they've made or maybe all the signings that they've made. Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting times ahead and you, you just hope that it, you hope that it works for them because like we said last time round, what, what you don't want is that they use Crawley as a little bit of a play thing as to, you know, look at us, we, we own a football club and we got this right, we got this right, but we got this horribly wrong and then they move on to a, a club at a bigger level. Um, and I think at the moment, I think the fans are relatively happy with what's happened, but the proof of the pudding is going to be when the real action starts on the field of play, isn't it? You can... You can sign whoever you want to. If they don't gel and the management, the new management team don't work well with the players and the players can't respond to the way that the, the management want them to play, uh, then everything will sort of fall apart. Um, so I think Crawley really needs to hit the ground running with these new signings. You know, looking at the fixture list and the first few games that, that Crawley have got coming up when the regular season starts. So what are your thoughts before we get into the players on the new head coach? Is it Kevin Betsy? Betsy, yep. Um, uh, how are, what are the expectations for him? This is his first um, big head coaching job. He was the U23 at Arsenal, I think. He was. Uh, and he had a couple of um, England management jobs as well, didn't he? At sort of underage level. I think under 16, under 17. Um I, I knew of Kevin from um, the time when I used to uh, commentate on Woking in the National League. And Kevin was a, he's Woking, born and bred, so not too far from where I am and obviously not too far from Crawley. Uh, so he's a Surrey boy now working in Sussex. Uh, I interviewed him a few times post-match when he was playing for Woking. Always came across very well, always quite positive. And from, from what I understand, the sides that he's managed before are very, very attack-minded. Um, he likes to play an attacking formation. He likes to play a certain style of quick, quick passing, quick movement, uh, get the ball, not the ball from back to front, you know, just with, with one sort of ball up and over the top, but, but back to front through the thirds of defence and midfield and into attack relatively quickly. Likes his side to be on the front foot, likes them to press the opposition. Um, and like I just said to you guys, if I think as long as the players can respond to that, because it's a, you know, that could be a totally different thing to the way that the, the previous management team wanted the side to play. So I think as long as the players can respond to that and he can drill that into them and get them working in the way that he wants them to, then I think, it, you know, Kevin could be a, a real success. And I, I really, really hope that he is for everybody's benefit. Yeah, I'm excited for the new season and see mm. what, um, how they're going to play, especially if they're going to be a more attacking side. Um, yeah. Some of the players, uh, Dom Telford, that was a really surprising signing considering that he was the leading scorer, what, 26 goals and 40 appearances last year for Newport. Mm. And it was really surprising that uh, Crawley Town pulled that off, right? 
yeah, very surprising. When I saw the, the statement from the Dom that he'd been released or he was going to be released from, from Newport County, in my head, I was thinking, okay, Crawley owners, go and put your money where your mouth is in and go and get him. Go and get a player like that, of, of that sort of nature. But, but you sort of thought, well, he's had a season like he had last season. Um, he'd had offers from the league above. He'd had offers from the championship. Um, but clearly, when Kevin and the owners described to Dom the vision that they had for Crawley going forward this season, next season, you know, however far ahead they talked, it clearly struck a chord with Dom that he wanted to, to come and be part of that. Um, when you look at one or two of the other signings as well, Dion Conroy, um, who's come in as yeah, a the defender. Former, former captain Swindon. of Swindon, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, captain them to the playoffs uh, last season. They lost out in the, in the semifinals, but he captained them to the playoffs. Um, Travis Johnson coming in as well from, from Crew Alexandra, a defender. There was a goalkeeper that signed a couple of days ago as well, who's out in Spain with them at the moment. Corey Adai. Corey Adai, yeah. Um, and also the, the young lad who's signed on loan from Liverpool, James Balagizi. Um, I've spoken to a couple of, of Liverpool fans that I know. Uh, he's very, very highly rated uh, as an academy player. And he's sort of one that's marked for the future to do big things at Liverpool. And let's hope he can do big things you know, at Crawley for, for this coming season. I think the interesting thing, guys, when you look at the signings, if you take Travis Johnson out of the equation, the first thing that Kevin has done is to get players in to strengthen what we call the spine of the team. So in goal, Adai, for example, if he had to play. Central defence, Dion Conroy. Central midfield, Balagizi. Central attack, Telford. He's immediately strengthened that whole sort of central area and Travis Johnson playing on the right as a right back in what I think this season will be for Crawley something like a, he might play a 4-3-3, so three attackers. Uh, I think he'll certainly play three attackers. He might play three defenders and play a 3-4-3, 4-3-3. But when you think of the attacking options that he now has, if Telford is going to be the linchpin for Crawley sort of down the middle, Nadison down one side, we know the pace that Ashley Nadison has got that he can use. Tom Nichols down the other, Kwesi Appiah down one side, Remy Oti down one side. You know, the, the attacking options are, are endless, really. Balagizi in the midfield, who I, I believe likes to get forward, then is an attacking midfielder and chip in with the odd goal here and there. So, yeah, I think, the, I think the signings have all been very, very positive. And like I say, interesting that he's elected, whether he's done it intentionally or not, but he's elected to sort of strengthen that whole spine of, of the whole team. Yeah, yeah, yeah it sounds really good. And and uh, does Ashley Madison get a lot of uh, feedback regarding his name? I mean, I don't know if you remember the whole scandal. There used to be a site called, uh, I don't know if there still is, called Ashley Madison. <laughs> and it was like, life's too short, have an affair, right? Like that was there. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it all kind of blew up. They got hacked and everybody's information got passed around the internet. But uh, I, I don't know if that you know, has any ramification. Maybe it's too old, you know. Doesn't ring a bell. Okay. Actually, Nadison with an N. Oh, Madison. But we know where Tyler's mind goes. No, no, I was just worried for the young guy. You know, I didn't want him to 
receive too much negative press just because of their name, you know. The only criticism that Ashley gets, I hear sometimes, is that he, he doesn't score enough goals for Crawley. Yeah, if he's not scoring four, four goals a game, then the people are upset, right? Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes he's too quick for his own good. I've said this before in commentaries. He, you know, he, he'll make a run to try and receive a pass. And his speed, his, his speed of thought and his speed of movement is just that little bit too quick that he gets himself caught offside. But if he times it right, the number of times that you see him go through and be one-on-one -on -one with the goalkeeper, nine times out of ten, you know that's going to result in a goal because he's got tremendous finishing ability, as have all the forwards that Crawley have now got. So I think the combination of whoever they decide to play up front, you know, could be a real headache for most opposition defences this coming season. And is that is that uh, built kind of, Gary, based upon what you're seeing there? Is this kind of a team that you think could make that push to, to make the move up next season? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I do. I mean, you would hope Crawley had a, a terrible time with, with injuries last season. Uh, you hope that everybody is, is sort of fit and has enjoyed the few days that they've had out in Spain to get some, some warm weather training. And if everybody's fit, you know, for the bulk of the season, you know, not making excuses for, for anything that happened last season. Um, but I really think the expectation of the owners, the fans, Kevin as a manager, all these new players that have come in is that Crawley are at least going to push towards the top 10 and maybe even towards those magical top seven places that will get them an automatic promotion place or a, uh, a spot in the playoffs come the, end of, uh, come the end of next season. Maybe we'll all be looking forward to a, a trip to Wembley come the end of the season to, uh, to see Crawley take part in the playoff final. That would be fun, but uh, be a lot better if they finished in the top three, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want to go. We don't want to go through the lottery of the playoffs. As a Brentford fan, I know how heartbreaking playoffs can be. <laughs> <laughs> so, and a couple other things on the team. Uh, a couple of uh, at least one loss. I was looking at the transfer market, and uh, yeah. there were some good players. Jordan Tunnicliffe leaving the team. He was a great defender, right? Mm. Yeah, he was very, very good. Had a very tough time last season with, with injuries. Um, still made 100 odd appearances for Crawley over the three years that he was there. Uh, I think will always be remembered as a player that, that gave everything that he could for the badge whenever he pulled on the shirt. Um, some, he, he got himself into the League Two team of the year, not at the end of last season, but at the end of the season before, uh, which I think for a, a player who was playing for a side that only sort of finished mid-table is a tremendous achievement uh, for Jordan. And just, I think, emphasises how good a player he is on his day, as good a defender as I've seen in League Two. I knew that he sort of had thoughts about leaving. My only, not concern, but my only surprise is that he, he took the step to go back into the National League as opposed yeah. to, you know, a sidestep maybe into another side in League Two. Uh, or maybe, you know, he could have even made the step into League One. I don't think anybody would have raised an eyebrow if he'd got to move to a League One side. But as it is, he's elected to go to Wrexham. Um, you know, they've got a lot of money behind them. They're, they've made some big major signings over the last couple of years. They missed out on the playoffs in the National League at the end of last season. They'll be looking to go one better and make a return to the Football League. And, and Jordan could well be part of that. And, and good luck to, to Jordan. Absolutely no animosity about him, him leaving Crawley at all. And isn't that an American-owned team? Isn't that the one that... Uh... 
Yeah, so it's the actor Ryan Reynolds, isn't it? And a yeah, uh, I think a so. Group of people, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then they had the only other uh, notable loss, I think, that uh, was Reese Greg Cox, and he had injury problems as well, right? But he was a, a decent player, ended up headed back down to the National League in Woking. Yeah, he's gone back to Woking, which ironically is uh, where he was before he came to Crawley. So he's sort of gone full circle. I believe he started his career at QPR. But yeah, he suffered a, a really bad injury at Exeter um, two or three seasons ago now. I was, I was there commentating on the game. Um, and credit to Reese for, for how hard he worked with the physios at Crawley to get himself back amongst it. Uh, but then he sort of fell out of favour a little bit with uh, the previous management team and he went on loan to, to Barnet in the National League. Um, so I think a few people raised a few eyebrows at that one as well. Um, but, but Woking have got quite a, a big financial backing as well now. They're making some substantial signings to try and get themselves in the, you know, the National League playoff or promotion picture as well. So, yeah, good luck to Reese. He'll be, he'll be an asset, but it, it's clearly a player that, that the management team now thought they could they could work without, if you see what I mean, with no disrespect to Reese. Yeah. And they didn't have any – I haven't seen any players that have made that uh, journey uh, sideways to another team in League Two or up. But So no, that, I found that interesting. And no. another thing, too, Tyler's question about um, American players and opportunities in the lower leagues. They also have smaller um, teams, right? What's the maximum amount of players that League Two that you can have on your team? Isn't that a smaller number than uh, – I, think... I know in the U.S., the MLS, it's like 30, 31, 34, something Okay. Like so I think before the season commences over here, Crawley and the teams in League Two and League One have to submit to the EFL, the English Football League, I think a squad of 23 players. So much like, you know, if we're going to move on to talk about the World Cup, then England, I think, are allowed this season, I think, or all teams can submit, I think, a 24-man squad to go to the World Cup. Um, but I think for the, for the English Football League, you're allowed to, or you have to submit a 23-man squad. So fewer places and, then, and fewer leagues. And I, I do remember Jay Demerit. I don't know if you remember him. I mean, it's been years and years. But he played for the in the World Cup in 2010, and he was kind of this kid out of Wisconsin that just made it over there. And I think he was he played for uh, South Southall and Northwood, and okay. then came up with Watford, and uh, and then ended up in the World Cup. It, it, it was back in 2004, 2007 when he was over there, kind of just okay. kicking his way around the league, you know. Just kind of that center back, six one, you know, one eighty five, kind of a a bigger uh, center back, and then ended up making the World Cup team, and and they made a a little bit of a documentary about him, kind of a, you know, a, you know, from the streets of Madison, Wisconsin, to the World Cup, which doesn't really happen, you know, over here, so. So kind of a, a crazy move for him, but that that's really the exception rather than the rule for sure. Yeah. I seem to so, remember as well, there was a, 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 I think in about 1993 when the England national team was was going through a, a real bit of turmoil. Uh, and I think the Americans beat England 2-0, I think in a friendly international. Um, 
I think you guys hosted the World Cup, didn't you, in 94? Yeah. Uh, and I think England came out to play like an international friendly. And the Americans won by two goals to nil, and deservedly so on the day. And I think the second goal was scored by a player that you may remember called Alexi Lalas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think from that, I think he and one or two others, uh, Tom Dooley, I think was also part of that American team on that day. I think one or two of those ended up coming over here. Two clubs like Sheffield Wednesday and, and teams like that, I think, which just seems a very strange connection. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah, and it, it's interesting that Americans end up at, at clubs like Fulham in, in bigger numbers yeah. than other teams and Everton. Those mm. seem to be a couple of the teams that are American-friendly, if you will. <laughs> well, I think, I think if, if one or two players come to a certain club and make a relative success of what they're doing, I think other, you know, not just Americans, but anybody, you know, Canadians, Romanians, Bulgarians, whatever it may be, other players of that ilk will feel comfortable coming to that club because they've already got some compatriots you know within that if you if you look at if you look at Brentford as an example Danish manager three or four Danish internationals within the squad hence the reason I think towards the end of last season we were able to get Christian Eriksen because he felt comfortable coming in to play with a few more Danes and to play for a Danish manager you know so he probably felt more comfortable coming to us than to go somewhere else and maybe be the only Danish citizen there to, to try and fit in with everything. Right. How yeah, do you like, feel about Christian like going to? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brent. I was going to say, how do you feel about Christian going to Man U? Are you upset about that, Gary? Is that is that fair? <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> I'm, uh, How about I'm, Leeds United? Now the Americans ending up there. You got Jesse Marsh coaching. It's kind of a similar situation. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you know the Ted Lasso <laughs> kind of positivity, you know, thing going on, and then he's recruiting Tyler Adams now and Brendan. Yeah. On a serious note, Brent, to answer your question, I am <laughs> devastated. I guess that that Christian elected not to stay with Brentford. Um, obviously, Manchester United, bigger club, can probably offer a little bit more money. Um, but like I said to people, and I understand his association with the guy who's going to take over at Manchester United. Is it Ten Hag who's taking over? Yeah. Um, because their association goes back to younger days when, when Christian was at Ajax in Holland. So I, I sort of understand that. But I, I did say to people, if he goes to a, a club like United or if he'd gone back to Tottenham or you know other clubs that he was linked with, to me, he might just end up being a, a squad player. He'll play a couple of games, then he'll be on the bench, then he'll play a couple of games, or he might get picked for the cup games and not all the league games. And I just thought if he stays at Brentford, he's guaranteed, you know, if he's fit and available, he's guaranteed a game every single week, isn't he? Pretty much the first name on the team sheet. And Brentford could have built everything around him. Um, but it's his own decision. I... I you know, you would hope that there might have been a little bit of loyalty from Christian as well to think, well, Brentford gave me the opportunity to get back into playing when I, you know, after what had happened to him in the Euros um, and he wasn't allowed to play in Italy anymore. Brentford gave him that opportunity. Um, and you just thought he might have thought, well, I'd, I'll give Brentford, you know, one more season. I sort of owe it to them and to the manager and the fans maybe to give them one more season. But, you know, it's entirely down to him. He's made what he thinks is the best decision for, for his career and for, for his family. But I, 
I know from reading on social media uh, that ironically, Manchester United is the first home game of the season for Brentford this coming season. And he's not going to get the best of reception uh, when he runs onto the field <laughs> in a, a Manchester United shirt as opposed to a Brentford shirt. But Brentford have been linked with a couple of players that they might be signing, you know, before the end of the transfer window, two or three players, uh, one Turkish international, one a, a couple of other lads, one lad from Hull City in the championship. So, you know, what Brentford have to do is, is sort of think that they can thank Christian for, for what he contributed for the end of last season uh, and move on. Uh, and have to work with the players that they've now got and do enough to to try and maintain Premier League status for another season. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the move Jack Grealish did last year. He left uh, Villa. Yep. And went to Man City and really didn't have much of an impact, but he wins a cup, so good for him. Well, exactly. Yeah, he, he, he ends up being a, a Premier League champion, Champions League semi-finalist. Um, but, uh, you know, I think for, for Jack, at Aston Villa, uh, big fish, maybe in a medium pond, um, goes to Manchester City, just becomes a, a, a fish, fish in a huge, a huge <laughs> big pond, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, um, but, but you know they've made a couple of of massive signings again, haven't they? Calvin Phillips has gone there from Leeds United. Haaland is going there from Borussia Dortmund. They've released Gabriel Jesus to go to Arsenal for fifty million pounds. So it's you know that that money go round just just happens every summer and every time there's a transfer window. Well, Gary, I have a few questions. Oh, go ahead, Tyler. Oh, but yeah, I just to... to follow up on that one. Um, do you think there's? Um, I think sometimes this happens in certain sports. Um, it happens in American football a fair amount. Uh, a, a team will kind of have a cult hero, you know, a, a player that kind of plays their whole career in one city. Um, you know, a, a 10, 12 year career, and then they kind of become an icon of the city, you know, and, and, you know, we're in a small market here in Salt Lake City, Utah, you know, we are a, a relatively small market. And so we kind of appreciate that cult hero, that that guy who played his whole career for our team, you know, it, it seems to happen less and less in the, in the world of sport. But isn't that a, a pretty decent long-term strategy? I know some of these guys get in the money grab in the short term, but isn't that also a longer-term strategy where they can now be kind of that cult hero, get that following, and then live in that city for the rest of their lives? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, quite often. Um, but you, you really don't get too much of that in this day and age now that the that, that one player is, is with one club for the duration of their career that in most recent times, the only player I can really think of that springs to mind is, is Steven Gerrard. who spent his entire career playing for Liverpool. He was almost enticed away at one stage as well. Um, but I think you're right in what you say, um, Tyler, is that it is a bit of a money grab and it is wanting that, you know, if you take the example of, of Jack Grealish again, and I'm not being disrespectful to, to Aston Villa, you know, or any of the other clubs, then they're not likely to challenge for the league title. Are they, you know, go to Manchester City can probably be offered more money per week. It's probably going to be more likely to win trophies. Um, I think at the end of the day, you know, players do what they what they feel is best for for them and for their family. And sadly, the, the word loyalty of, of being a one club hero and wanting to stay somewhere to become that that cult hero that you talk about and, and be a you know a hero within the city of, of London or Birmingham or Liverpool, wherever it may be. 
um, is a sadly now a thing of sort of the dim and distant past. I, you just you just don't see that anymore, which, which is you don't you don't always see that too much at even at lower level. Never mind in, in the Premier League, where there's a, you know millions and millions of pounds more than there is at, at the lower league level. You you just don't see that anymore, and it's it it's a very sad thing when you. You know, when you think back to where, when I was starting to grow up, you had the players of, of like, I don't know whether the name's going to ring any bell, Trevor Brooking, uh, played all his career with West Ham United and England. Billy Bonds played all his career with West Ham United and England as well. You know, 600-odd games for, for just one club. It's, uh, you know, the, the only other name I can think of, really, when I talk about Steve Gerrard, is Ryan Giggs as well, uh, who obviously spent his whole career, you know, got plucked out of playing youth football went off to Man United and strangely was never really linked with moving anywhere else, was he? It, it, you know, and never a name that you saw, you know, gigs possibly to Man City or gigs to Liverpool or gigs to Chelsea or, or anything like that. You, you never really saw that. Uh, but it, they're very, very sadly now, like I say, few and far between. So before we get too far away, I had two questions about Crawley and then, uh, then we can jump into uh, the EPL and the other leagues and, your thoughts on the World Cup and all of that. Um, where do you where do you expect if you were to predict where is Crawley going to finish this year? And have you gotten your free beer? Have I got what my free beer? <laughs> free beer because one of the deals for the new owners, the new American owners, if they get caught saying the word soccer by oh, the fans, okay. then they have to then they they go and buy them a beer at at the pub. Okay. Um, okay. So my prediction is that Crawley will, they will finish in the top seven. I don't know if I want to stick my neck out and say that'll be in the top three or if it'll be fourth, fifth, sixth or seventh, but I think they will finish in the top seven. So I think they will be in the shakeup come the end of the season. Um, they've got a tough start. Just looking at the first half dozen fixtures I've got written down here. Uh, tough start couple of long away trips to make, a couple of tough home games. Northampton, who you know lost out on the last day of the season last year on automatic promotion. Wimbledon, who'll be looking to bounce straight back into League One. But I think they will be there or thereabouts. But I think it's important that they've got a decent amount of points on the board after that first half a dozen games, of league games anyway. Um, in terms of a free beer, he'd have to just buy me a Coke or something, Brand. I don't drink alcohol, <laughs> so he'd have to just go and... He'd have to just go buy me a, a glass of uh, blackcurrant squash or a glass of Coke or a, a coffee. That's my advice. I'll have a cup of coffee, preferably, uh, to a beer. Oh. So if ever, I, if ever I interviewed him and he uses the word soccer to me, I'll make sure that he, uh, he gets me a Costa or a Starbucks or something like that next time he's around. <laughs> well, we, we, we're in the same club, I'm pretty sure. At least Tyler, I'm assuming, doesn't drink alcohol, but neither do I as well. So you're in good company. Okay, that's good. So Thoughts on uh, the other leagues. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, EPL? Do you, we are, obviously you follow Brentford. Where do you think Brentford um, is going to end up this season? And maybe who do you think is going to go down? The promoted sides were Fulham, Bournemouth, Bournemouth and uh, Nottingham Forest, who has a, who had a former RSL player. Um, yep. we, uh, he just went out of my head. What's his name? The forward, Tyler, do you remember his name? That played for Nottingham Forest. Um, 
Sorry, I was on mute. Uh, Robbie Finley. Yes, thank you. I don't know. First touch Finley, come on. Yeah. So, yeah, your thoughts on uh, the EPL and the championship or any of the other leagues, uh, Gary? Okay, well, my my thoughts on the EPL are, are generally always the same at this time of year. And I think you can quite easily divide the, the Premier League into three sort of mini leagues within the one league. You'll have the clubs that are challenging at the top to win the title. Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, United, sort of jockeying away for the top five or six positions to try and gain Champions League football again. There'll be those teams in the, in the middle that will probably be safe um, and they won't sort of be in a relegation battle, but they won't be challenging for the title. And then you'll have the sides that'll be in the, um, you know, the bottom third of the table, as it were, um, of the 20 teams that are in there. So the bottom sort of seven or eight sides. Um, I think it is hard when you, when you come up as a promoted side. Um, when you look at the, the three sides that went down, uh, Norwich, Watford and Burnley, uh, Norwich and Watford had, had come up alongside Brentford the season before. Um, so Brentford were the only side that survived of, of the three promoted sides from the previous season. So I think it will be difficult for Fulham and it will be difficult for Bournemouth and I think it will be difficult for Forest. Um, I think Fulham may be better equipped this time round than they were a couple of seasons ago when they came up. So I think Fulham will probably be all right. Uh, Bournemouth potentially might have a little bit of a struggle and I think Forest might have a little bit of a struggle. Um, there's always a couple of surprise teams that you find down there as well. Uh, Everton, towards the end of last season, only sort of survived by the skin of their teeth, didn't they, in the last couple of games. I'm sure there's plenty of people that are, uh, are pointing the finger at, at Brentford as well as potential relegation candidates, which, you know, obviously I, I really hope is not right. Um, but interestingly, over here, it seems to be that the, the person who is sort of fancied the most to be the first Premier League manager to, to lose his job this season is Ralph Hasenhutl at Southampton. They seem to be a lot of people's choice uh, for a side that are going to struggle this season. I'm not entirely sure, you know, what they've done or not done within the transfer market, who they've released or who they've brought in. Um, but there's a few people that seem to think that they are going to, they are going to struggle. And I think one or two teams will have better seasons than they had last year. We talked about Everton a moment ago. I think they'll be okay this coming season. I think Newcastle under uh, uh, Eddie Howe will be uh, absolutely fine as well. I, I think they'll be somewhere in that, that mid-table bunch of sides. Uh, I think Wolves and Brighton and teams like that and Palace will all be in there as well. Um, so Brentford finished 13th. Can they improve on that? I'd like to think so. Uh, people seem to, you know, a lot. some people seem to think we're going to be okay. Uh, other people seem to think we're going to be favourites for relegation. And again, much like Crawley, difficult start for the Bees, you know, away to Leicester on the opening weekend, then at home to Manchester United, then away to Fulham, which is a big West London derby. So if suddenly we're zero from nine after those three games, then immediately, only three games into the season, you're playing catch-up. So I think, you know, the title is going to be contested between City, Liverpool, maybe Chelsea. Rumours today that they've uh, secured the signing of Raheem Sterling. Uh, one or two other people as well. Uh, there might be a surprise package you're up there. West Ham was sort of buzzing around the top of the table last season as well for a bit in that sort of fifth or sixth position. Um, but I think, I think Bournemouth might struggle. I think Forest might struggle. 
and one other that I hope is just not Brentford. <laughs> Me too. I hope that for you as well. Any other, how do, how do the other leagues fare over there? I mean, everybody, they all have their fans. Uh, I'm sure the main focus is probably the EPL, but uh, anything yeah. in the league one and uh, the championship. League one, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the promoted sides go uh, from that came up from league two last season. So Forest Green as champions, I think they'll be fine. Exeter, I think, will be fine. Bristol Rovers will be fine. Uh, Port Vale, they might have a little bit of a struggle. I think an interesting thing as well will be to see how Derby County fare, because obviously, you know, they've had well-documented problems off the field as well as on the field. They're now relegated into League One. Can they bounce straight back? Sunderland's got themselves out of League One and into the Championship. And I think they'll be absolutely fine. And then I think Rotherham were the League One champions to go into the championship. I think the size that came out of uh, the Premier League, you've got those perennial, you know, what we call over here, yo-yo sides. Norwich and Watford okay. will probably be <laughs> battling again, you know, to, to go back to the Premier League. Um, who else went down? Burnley. You know, they'll probably be right up there as well. The teams that battled away in the playoffs last year, I know Forrest beat Huddersfield, didn't they, at the end of the season? Uh, Luton Town that you and I spoke about before, Brand, they ended up in the playoffs but but couldn't quite make it. You know, you, you need to sort of think, were they a, a real one-season wonder or can they maintain that consistency from last year to really make a challenge? Um, the championship is often thought of as the hardest league to get out of, really, um, because everybody wants that prize of of getting out of it and going into the Premier League. Um, it's never easy to get out of. It's never easy to survive in the Premier League. And like, like we talked before about teams dropping out of the Football League and into the National League and the struggle that some teams have to then get back into the Football League, it's not easy to drop out of the Premier League into the Championship and then go straight back up again. I know teams do do it. West Bromwich Albion, there's another, you know, what we call a perennial yo-yo side. I think they'll be there or thereabouts this coming season. So I think it'll be the usual suspects around the top of the championship, maybe one surprise package, maybe two like Luton were last season. Um, but I think this time next year, if we sort of reflect on it, we probably could have handpicked the sides between us that are going to challenge to get into the Premier League. Yeah, and, and for, for uh, Americans, you know, it's, it's been pretty exciting most of the time. Our, our best players are stuck on those yo-yo clubs, you know. We get an Ethan Horvath, who's, a, you know, a, a really good goalkeeper and mostly played backup for Nottingham this year. Um, but also he kind of did the yo-yo thing with Luttontown, right? He, he played there a little okay. bit as well. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, so but uh, now we've got Christian Pulisic, who, who's playing for Chelsea. I mean, and that's a little bit of a change for us. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That, that's been a little bit of a, a, a shift where our best players can make inroads at, at these top clubs, but maybe that's even a, a you know, a, a conversation for another time, though, about, you know, the Americans and how they're doing. I, I did want to, I don't know if you're ready, Brand. Are you ready to talk World Cup? We kind of see yeah, the best for the last, in my opinion. Yeah, I, yeah, I know that's your, you love that. I don't know why you, uh, 
not excited about Crawley as much as I am, Tyler, but you know, let's jump love, into the World Cup. Love the Reds, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's talk World Cup, Gary, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, so I love starting at the back. So for me, it's about the keepers first off. I mean, for England, it's got to be Jordan Pickford, but Aaron Ramsdale is sure pushing, isn't he? Yeah, it really is. He's put in a few decent performances recently. Uh, Nick Pope as well. Is a very, very good goalkeeper. He's just... Awesome. Uh, well, he's moved now, hasn't he? He's moved to Newcastle United. Oh, OK. Um, I think he feels that, quite like a lot of players do, he might be out of the international picture if he's not playing in the Premier League. Sometimes England managers are a little bit blinkered. They only look across the Premier League to sort of pick the squad from, unless they've right. got players, you know, playing internationally. So uh, Nick Pope has made the move from Burnley to Newcastle United. But yeah, I think those three names that we just mentioned will be the three goalkeepers that uh, that Gareth Southgate will take to the World Cup. Yeah, with with good reason. Jordan Pickford kind of has that, I don't know, his really long torso and an amazing <laughs> flair for for uh, and great hair, by the way, great hair. <laughs> Wait, isn't he the goalkeeper for Everton? Yes, yeah. he is. Yeah. So did that their season have a negative impact on? Uh, his standing in the World Cup with the, the team? Well, he hasn't played in some of the internationals recently. Uh, we had a, a really horrible Nations Cup, England, uh, where we suffered a couple of you know bad defeats. We lost 4-0 at home to Hungary. We lost 1-0 away to Hungary. Uh, we drew with the Germans. We drew with the what was the pretty much the Italian youth side. But I think Gareth Southgate used those internationals to give players we might only be on the fringes of the international squad an opportunity to gain some international experience. And then when he plays the friendlies before the World Cup, because every, every country will play some friendlies before the World Cup takes place, he might use that opportunity again to give, you know, some players a little bit of international experience. And then he'll start, he'll start to pull his squad together. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, Jordan Pickford will be, for England's first game, I think Jordan Pickford will be the goalkeeper. Yeah, most likely. I, he he's, seems to be that first choice uh, by yeah. a little ways there. Um, at, at defense, uh, I think with Trent Alexander-Arnold, I think he's probably the, the uh, cemented in starter as well out of the back. Maybe Kyle Walker uh, is probably close to that as well. And then you get, you, you get in your center backs and you get kind of these uh, – uh, you know, Harry Maguire style players who uh, tend to cause a lot of controversy. Any insight on Harry Maguire and his kind of <laughs> approach, how you feel about him? Um, to me, even when he made the transfer from Leicester to Manchester United, he's not a player who's worth 80 odd million pounds. Um, I think he's prone to too many mistakes. Um I think John Stones is a, a far better defender. Um, more consistent. Yeah, more consistent. So I think John Stones would be one of my first choice central defenders. And then you've got a few others who might step in. Harry Maguire, I think it all depends by the time the World Cup rolls around on what sort of season Manchester United are having. Um, I think if they've had a good start to the season, apart from when they play Brentford, if they've had a decent start to the season, uh, then he'll he'll probably be in that he'll probably be in a more confident mode. If you see what I mean, 
Yeah. If he's in a side that are winning games going into the World Cup, then it breeds confidence for that particular player. If United are not doing overly well, uh, then you know it could affect Maguire's game. You know, it, then, it could be it could be that the new manager at United elects to make Harry Maguire captain for the season. Yeah. Then he's got that little bit more responsibility, and he might sort of step up and and improve his game. You know, on his day, he, I'm not saying he's a bad player. I didn't think he was worth 80 million pounds worth of a transfer fee. And I'm sure the owners at Leicester must have been rubbing their hands when that was, you know, <laughs> when that check was being written out, because they must have been thinking, God, we could buy three or four players probably for, for that. Right. Um, but and then uh, who else? Is, who else can, is center center backs? Um, there's a. Uh, I'm just trying to think of his name now. There's a lad at Chelsea. Um, Reese James. No. Yeah, Reese James. Right? Well, he see he could switch over and play central yeah. defence because you talk about Alexander-Arnold and Rhys James, you know, if he plays, generally plays down the right-hand side of the defence. But he could always switch back into the middle and play. There's Connor Cody, who was at Wolves, who had a little bit of a look-in as well. Um, Left-back Kyle Walker. But when I talk about players, and I'm, I'm not just saying this from, from a bias, but when you look at players who could maybe knock on the door going into the World Cup, uh, Rico Henry, who's the left-back for Brentford, uh, could potentially, you know, he had a storming season last year and a lot of people are a little bit surprised that he didn't get the call up for some of the Nations League games uh, or the Nations Cup games recently. Um, so if Gareth wants to have a little bit of an experiment, you know, to try and pick a squad and give some players a, some international experience, he could do worse than look at um, Rico Henry just for a couple of internationals leading into the World Cup, maybe take him along as a little bit of a backup. You know, the last thing you'd want is to go only with one left back and then left back and then they get injured in the opening game or they get injured against America or whatever it may be. And then suddenly you've got no backup and you've got players then suddenly playing out of position. Yep, yep. That's, that's, uh, and then Kieran Trippier, he, he, he played, uh, he scored one of the coolest goals in probably World Cup history. And yet he's kind of fallen off to the point where he may or may not even make the squad now. Yeah, yeah. He, I think he's come back into favour a little bit more now that he's come back, like I was saying a couple of minutes ago, to come back to play into this country because he's yeah. playing at Newcastle. And another player you could throw into the equation, I suppose, at left back is Luke Shaw yeah. as well. And again, maybe dependent on how Manchester United are faring, you know, heading into the actual time of the World Cup when the squad officially gets announced. Awesome. Awesome. And then uh, through the midfield. Uh, where, do, you, do you feel like it's Declan Rice's midfield? Do you feel like he is the, the linchpin there? Or is there somebody else that, that, that's kind of running the show? No, no, no. I think, I think Declan Rice and Mason Mount. Um, I think I would play both of those. They're, they're best of friends. There's rumours about Declan Rice moving to Chelsea as well, which would see them playing at the same club as well as playing together internationally which can only really be a bonus, can't it? When England had that midfield of Scholes and Beckham playing in the same side as well as playing for United, playing for England at the same time, you know, that was a huge bonus. And I think if Mount and Rice are playing together at Chelsea as well as them playing for England, I think that can only be beneficial for England. Calvin Phillips, um, quite a defensive midfielder, has just made the move to Manchester City as well. Um, one of those players who... Won't do anything spectacular during the course of the game, but will very rarely give the ball away. We'll always find a, a white shirt, if you like, when he's playing for England. 
So we'll just get the ball off of maybe Stones or Maguire or whoever, particularly off Maguire to say, give me the ball. <laughs> uh, and he won't, he won't play that sort of defence splitting 40, 50 yard pass, but he'll, he'll play it forward or sideways or wherever to, to keep possession and make sure that the possession is maintained until such time as he can sort of step forward and maybe make that pass forward into the final third. And is is Jordan Henderson too far out of of contention to make the squad, or, or do you feel like he's still there? I think he might make the squad. I'm not entirely sure that he would make the starting eleven, to be fair. But I think yeah. somebody with his experience of playing for Liverpool and leading them to, you know, league titles and cup victories and and things like that, I think would be good, uh, good experience and good for some of the younger players in the squad to have somebody with that experience around. So I think yeah. Jordan Henderson in the squad, but maybe not in the starting eleven. Okay, and then uh, we, there's a few kind of uh, depending on the way England lines up, whether they're considered forwards or midfielders, right? Where you have people like uh, Saka, who's from Arsenal, uh, Tammy Abraham, who former yeah. Chelsea, now in Roma, uh, yeah. Phil Foden, uh, these even Jack Grealish to some degree. The, these yep. kind of hybrid players, you know, where, where do you think that all ends up? Because uh, Harry Kane, right? Harry Kane. We, definitely well, Harry, Harry Kane. Yeah, right? Harry Kane's the skipper and the, the yeah. side will be built around Harry Kane if he's, if he's fit and available to play. Uh, Phil Foden, for me, would be one of the first names on my team sheet. Okay. Uh, Jack, Jack Grealish, not so much. Uh, but Phil Foden, I think for his age, I think his ability is is unbelievable. Uh, I think he's got that ability to to pick a pass, like a decisive final pass, as well as getting forward to support the forwards and chip in with some very, very important goals as well. Um, I think Raheem Sterling is going to be close to being in the starting eleven as well. Um, you know, he's got a, a decent record of, of scoring goals uh, for England. Harry Kane is, is just Harry Kane <laughs> and just sort of seems to score goals for fun for both Spurs and for England. Uh, and again, you, you sort of hope that Spurs are having a decent spell and that Harry's got a few goals under his belt leading into the World Cup uh, and that he's not sort of searching for goals as and when the World Cup rolls around. Um, but for me, Phil Foden would start. Jack Greenish wouldn't. Um, Jack Greenish is a sometimes I think a little bit of a a luxury player to be able to bring off the bench. Um, sometimes I've watched England and I'm, and I've watched Manchester City and I'm never too sure what it is that Jack Grealish brings to the party, apart from that he might win you a few free kicks around the edge of the box because he seems to be, not victimised, but he seems to be someone who the opposition concentrate on as, uh, and, he, and he has got great ability. You know, there's no doubt in that, but it is someone the, the opposition tend to individualise, if you like, as, as someone they maybe stick two players on. And it will win you free kicks in dangerous areas. It's just whether or not England have got the, the players with ability to do something with that free kick. So another player that might make the squad, you know, you can't bring players on like you can in American football just for set pieces. But someone England might want to think about is... Oh, I missed you there. Did you get muted? Oh, hold on. Sorry, I just hold had on. a call. I just had a call come through there for a second. Did I go a little bit mute? Yep, yep. You're Sorry. back there. Yeah. Okay. Who was that? Who was that player? 
Yeah, James Ward-Prowse. Oh, yeah, yeah. From Arsenal. Plays for Southampton. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he's there. Oh, stripper. I was thinking Emil Smith-Rowe, right? Uh, okay. Yeah, James okay. Ward-Prowse. Yeah, yeah. Very, very good with the dead ball. Right. Um, so if, if he's on the field of play, you know, in England, get a free kick if they're chasing the goal and Greenish comes on and wins you a free kick in a, a dangerous area, then James Ward-Prowse could be your man. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting how um, how Brits feel about Jack Grealish as well. He's kind of more of that, I would call him Brazilian-style player, right? He has flair. He has cool yeah. hair. He always pulls up his, his shorts so you can see his, his ripped thighs. You know, like he's a little bit like Beckham yeah. maybe was back in the day about the flair. Um, in fact, the team that, that uh, Beckham owns here in the States – is is in Miami and it's called Inter Miami FC, but we refer to it as the brand Miami because it's just all about the brand. It's not about great football or soccer on the field. It's all about the brand, you know. So I, I think Jack gets maybe caught in that a little bit, and that turns off a lot of a lot of British people, right? Yeah, absolutely. Spot on. Yeah, and they'd, they'd much more see that James Ward-Prowse, hardworking, gritty, you know, tough style yeah. than to see Jack dribbling past people and, yeah. and playing, right? Yeah, and James Ward-Prowse, so far, I believe, one of those one-club men that we talked about earlier on. <laughs> yeah, Southampton guy, right? Yeah. Yep. yep, right on. Right on. Well, predictions, Gary, what do you think? What do you think, U.S.? And England, the group, Iran, Wales, like how's that? How do you think that plays out with, you know, what, what's your insight with Wales to, to start the Welsh side? Uh, Wales are a very tough side to play against. England had them in the European Championships in 2016, won it with a last-minute goal. Um, very, very tough games. I mean, I, I think... Is it like playing your little brother to some degree? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Iran, and I don't mean it disrespectfully to them, but they, they should be, for all three of the other sides, they should almost be the whipping boys of the group. Uh, there's generally one in each group when the groups are drawn, and I think in England, America, and, and Wales's case, then it should be Iran. Um, the other three, it's really difficult. Obviously, I want to sit here and go, England will win all three games and have nine points and we'll sail through to the next stage and we'll sail through to a, at least the quarterfinals or the semifinals. But I just think it's really tough. I, England v Wales is going to be very, you know, what we call over here, cat and mouse, because it'll almost be like a club game because there'll be so many players for England playing against players of their own club who are playing for Wales and vice versa for Welsh players playing against players they play with every week for England. So you know, they'll, they'll play very similarly. The Welsh will be fired up to try and get the result over the English. Uh, you know, England's... I think England's final group game is against Wales. I think England play Iran, then America, then Wales. Is that right? No, I think... Isn't it the first game against... Is it? The US had to look it up. All I've got written down... You could have it right. The 25th of November is England versus the USA. Yeah, I think that's our second game. Yeah. Um, and it's the day after Thanksgiving. So it's okay. Black Friday right there. So <laughs> and it's it's 10 o'clock in the evening, our time over here. Yeah. So what will be that for you guys? Five o'clock? 
late afternoon, five o'clock. Yep. Lovely, good time. Good time yeah, to sit and watch the game. Three o'clock. Okay, cool. The, the appropriate time for right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the only time that matches should kick off is three o'clock. Um, and for for Wales, I don't know if you saw this, but Gareth Bell just signed with LAFC here in MLS to come over and uh, play golf in LA. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. No. He's going to play for LAFC. Right. Okay. I didn't see that. No, I hadn't seen that one. Um, I th I think it's a, I think it's a tough group to call. I mean, I, if I if I'm going to let my my heart rule my head, then I'll say that England will win the group, and then I think the other spaces is between Wales and the USA. I, I think it's all up for grabs. But you know, England are. England are not in a great run of form at the moment. They had a terrible Nations Cup. People are calling for Southgate to go. Um, you know, it, it could be that the country loses its prime minister and its England football manager in the space of, uh, you know, five or six months, given that the first one has already happened this morning. <laughs> and one of those is much more important, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Gareth Southgate's job. <laughs> is much 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 more important so maybe by the time the, the world cup rolls around if gareth hasn't done very well in the friendlies leading up to the world cup and crawley have started well maybe kevin betsy will be the england manager by then he's managed england at, at age group level before why can't he take on the full thing <laughs> there you go there you go well there yeah go. yeah back to the schedule uh england first play around so that should be yeah. you know the first one there usa wales and that's uh both on November 21st. So that's the week okay. before they play each other and they're group B. So they're, you know, first day or you know, second day, cause they have the yeah. kickoff game, but, but uh, yeah, yeah. So they'll be playing towards the first and then they'll know uh, that, that's always nice to, if, if you do, you know, get through to have that extra day or two of rest going into I the think, knockout stages. I think important as well, that result between the USA and Wales could be an important, um, could have a big sort of emphasis on how the group then finishes up, really. Because yeah. England, England should beat should beat uh, Iran. Uh, and the USA and Wales is a tough one to call. But if one side comes out victorious over the other, then with it only being you know, four, four teams and three games in that group, suddenly one of your opponents is, is playing catch-up already. You know? yeah. And you sometimes do get to that horrible stage where, you know, teams end up playing each other and just sort of play knowing that a draw will be enough for both sides to go through. So they just play out a really boring, it's almost like the two managers have gone, well, we'll let you score in the first half if you let us score in the second half and we'll just play it as a 1-1 draw and then we both go through. And then you right. get other teams who think, you know, looking at how other groups are looking like they're going to materialise, you sort of go, well, we don't want to finish first because that means we'll have to play France because they look like they're going to finish runners up so we don't want to so we'll lose this game so that we finish runners up then we play what is supposedly an easier draw in the next round and it all gets a little bit a little bit political you know if I was there for England I'd just think I just want to go and win every game don't I that's right. all I want to do with at some stage yeah. or other if we're going to win the World Cup we've got to beat the likes of France and Brazil and yeah. Germany and whoever yeah, beat else them all, right? yeah well, exactly I, I, would, I did take a glance at the odds of winning the World Cup, and yeah. Iran, Costa Rica, and Saudi Arabia have the longest odds of yeah. 75,000. 
Um, and the shortest odds are Brazil at 450, uh, yeah. England at 550, France at 600, Spain and Argentina at 800. So, uh, okay. So that, the, the, I mean, England are in, in, you know, as of, you know, what, when is this written? Uh, just the other day, July 1st. Uh, yeah. Top two odds of winning the World Cup. So that, that's okay. got to be encouraging, but maybe that's not encouraging because when the Brits are, the favorites maybe they don't always uh, you know do you know what i'd rather be sort of slightly longer odds and then maybe take people by surprise but i think that's maybe based on how we performed at the last world cup because we got to the semi-finals obviously we got to the final of the euros this time last year but things things haven't been great since then so it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting england will probably some england squads go to world cups and start very slowly so we might sort of limp past iran you know, maybe sort of one nil or something, and then suddenly we'll we'll get going and have a bit more momentum as we keep going. But you'd really hope that they would put, you know, three or four past Iran to win that game quite comfortably. And again, I don't mean that disrespectfully to any of our Iranian listeners. Uh, and then it's all to play for when it comes to England v the USA and England versus Wales. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call it. Come back to me in December and ask me how it went. <laughs> do, do you have another country that you're kind of rooting for outside of our groups uh you know group b i mean there's there's quite a few other countries any loyalty or style of play that you enjoy maybe brazil france argentina spain uh, germany I, maybe i have i have no i have no loyalty uh really on their day i do and do enjoy watching belgium um and i think I think they could do very well, uh, Belgium. Um, they've been a bit of a bane for England in some tournaments recently. They were in our group. I'm just trying to think. Might have been at the last World Cup or it might have been at the Euros. I can't quite remember. Um, I, I don't think you can look too much further than the usual suspects in terms of who's going to go close to winning it. <coughs> France as the holders. Brazil are always up there, aren't they? Germany always seems to come good just at the right time. Um, I always find it a little bit strange when when people of a certain country root for another country at a world, at a world cup or a euros, it's, we, we have a thing over here. I don't know whether you have it in the States, but we have what's called a sweepstake. Um, so all the countries that are participating in the world cup, is there 32 of them this year? Yeah. Um, every name gets put into a hat and you pay maybe five pounds and you pull out a name and you then sort of follow that country. And then when it gets to the final, the team that wins it, whoever's got that name, wins X percentage of the pot. And then the team that will run us up, you know, this percentage and, you know, maybe for third or fourth or something. And people always used to say to me, oh, Gary, you organise the sweepstake and you can sort it all out because you're a football fan. Or people would come to me to say, Gary, do you want a country in the, in the World Cup? And I would go, not really. No, because if I don't pull England, why am I going to want to follow the fortunes of another country? If suddenly they're if suddenly they're up against England, why am I going to want them to do well against right. my own country? You know, <laughs> they organised one at a place where my wife works once, and they said to my wife, "Wendy, do you want to pull a ticket out for Gary? I think it was for the Euros last year. Do you want to pull a ticket out for Gary?" And she went, "No." She went, "No, because I'm too scared. If I don't pull England, he won't want to be involved in it at all." <laughs> I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home and say, "Oh, Gary, you've got Croatia, by the way," because <laughs> he would he would go, "Well, that was a waste of a fiver. Why have you done that?" 
we could have gone to Starbucks and got a drink. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's a better use of, of money than that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. So, um, you know, USA is down at plus 10,000. So, you know, more than double the, the, <laughs> the likelihood that, uh, you know, the USA wins. So maybe there's a, a, a bet that could be placed at a, yeah. a uh, you know, northern nevada town brand where uh, maybe someone could make the run in the next little bit uh, long odds for the u.s to win the world cup i don't long think odds. that's expected at all anywhere but we, we are kind of playing our kids and that that's been uh, a, a breath of fresh air but in some regards but also there's there's still that oh man we're we're, pl- we're sending all our kids you know there's still that yeah. like thought process so maybe the golden age of of a um, usa soccer is is the next world cup and yeah and that's kind of i think where where our aim is at at the current moment excellent that's good but i hope you guys do well this time around just not on the 25th of november <laughs> in it in every other game i wish you all the very best <laughs> you're so kind <laughs> thank you so much and on that note I might have to disappear in a minute, gents, because it's over here. It's almost time to pick children up from school, and I have to go and do that in a bit. <laughs> yeah, yes, no well, we were. Appreciate I think you we were getting to the, this for so long. Yeah, I think. No, we were you're welcome. The, Not a problem. Anyway. It's been very, very enjoyable all over again. Yeah, we're looking forward to having you uh, on uh, as many times as we can figure out. Uh, once okay. or twice a month, probably follow up on the Crawley season. That's going to be a great season, right? Knock on wood. Absolutely. And uh, um, also continue as the preparations to talk about the World Cup. We get there and talk about all things English football and uh, whatever else we can come up with. Lovely. So, that'd be great, guys. Thank you so much right, for so having me on again. Thank you for joining us, Gary. And uh, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Okay. Thanks, we'll Tyler. Do. Thank you, guys. All the best, Brent. All the best, Tyler. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye for now. <laughs>